scripture reading today comes from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, beginning with verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And this is God's word for God's people. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning to the people in Benton and online. Um, glad you are with us also. If you don't know me, my name's Brett. Um, I'm one of the pastors around here. And I was um, working on this message and, you know, trying to get my head around, like, where do, we, where do we start here? And one of the places that I think is always a fair place to start is what do we mean by healthy or good? Um, those seem to be kind of conversations that are more on the surface than I remember them being maybe 10 years ago. Like, what do we mean by healthy? How do we get healthy? What does good look like? And different people in different societies have different visions of that. And uh, often, I, I think, as, as people who are trying to follow Jesus, um, we're trying to swim against the stream, against some things that uh, the society around us is trying to say, this is good, this is the healthy, this is how we're going to find the good life, which is an important conversation. And the, the world that um, the Christianity, the Christian movement was born into, was, was dominated by the Roman Empire. And the, the Roman Empire was, uh, that, I mean, there's many empires through history. The Roman Empire, though, managed to pull it off in a pretty special way. And ruling everything from England to India at this time. I mean, can you wrap your head around that, you know? And part of what happened when Rome showed up and knocked on your door uh, to, your, to your country or your town or your little kingdom is uh, they sold you this, um, this kind of line that, went something like this, you get to be a part of us. You are so special. You are so special. Um, if you don't want to be a part of us, we are going to conquer and kill you, just so you know. But if you decide to be a part of us, awesome, you get to help us be awesome. And they used a metaphor throughout the Roman Empire to describe how the rest of the world was supposed to help Rome achieve what it dreamed of being. And they, they used this metaphor of a body. And they said it's like each one of you in the Roman Empire is a part of a body. And you play an important role. And your role is to support us. That is what makes you special. Is really we're special. And any role that you play in making us look good and supporting the Roman Empire is a part of your lot in life. And so it would do you a lot of good to figure out how to kind of get on this connectedness train and support us because we are good. And if you're a part of the system that makes us look good, then you're good too. And so you can be a part of the body. You can be a part of the body. Congratulations, everybody. And wouldn't you know what? A lot of people signed up for that kind of role in the Roman Empire. And they said, you know, the other way sounds a little rough. Uh, and so they said, okay, we will be a part of making you special. 
because it was, it was easier and it avoided a lot of pain. There was a place, though, in 146 BC that the Roman Empire rolled up on. It was this town called Corinth. Interesting town, double port city um, on the Mediterranean in, in that world that was high value, uh, and so a lot of ability to run trade out of Corinth. And when Rome showed up, they said, hey guys, do you want to be a part of the body to make us look special? You can be special by making us special. And they said, nah, we'll skip it. Do you know how it went? What happened is Rome, they killed every um, fighting age male and sold all the women and children into slavery, burned the city down and left it empty. It ruins, didn't allow anyone to live there for a hundred years to the day. Man, those people know how to do PR. Not to the day, sorry, to the year. So that was 146 BC. They burn Corinth to the ground. They kill a bunch of people. They sell everybody else into slavery. They say, no one lives here for a hundred years. And then a uh, hundred years later, 46 BC, Julius Caesar comes to power and he knows a good thing when he sees one laying empty and he decides that he's gonna run the, his trade for the Roman Empire out of this town. And so immediately he like turns the light switch on in Corinth, this double port city and life just erupts. And what happens is people all over the Roman Empire who have been trying to live in a very um, connected world you know, where the good is always about um, the broader society, they see a chance to make a name for themselves because, because uh, trade is taking off. And so there's kind of this like gold rush and people flock to Corinth and with it comes all of the culture that happens when people show up trying to make a name for themselves in the middle of a gold rush and Corinth kind of turns into Vegas. Like it, it gets pretty wild there how people live. But there's this very like individualistic mindset that comes with, with this town because people are there trying to elevate themselves. For once, we, we can maybe find a way to elevate myself in the middle of all of this. And in this like vacancy, lots of money running around, you can make it or lose it all tomorrow kind of environment, lots of people, a lot of, lot of wild living, um, people trying to like, elevate themselves as an individual. In that place, among all of the, the, everything that's going on, the gospel of Jesus shows up. The good news of Jesus shows up. And wouldn't you know it, some people sign up to be disciples of Jesus in the middle of ancient Vegas. And, and this church springs up that we call the Corinthians. And these guys are super special. And when I say super special, I mean super dysfunctional. They, this church could have had its own reality show with how dysfunctional they are. And, and in this space, we get one of my favorite books, two books in the New Testament, First and Second Corinthians, and part of why I love them is because they are such a mess. And when I read what they're dealing with, I'm like, well, if they get to stay in, maybe that leaves some hope for me, you know? And, and the Apostle Paul is, is writing into, into this context and he's trying to help them figure out how they're gonna do church together, right? Because broader society says everything you do isn't about you, it's all about helping us. But their individual context says everything you do is just about you. You elevate yourself, you worry about yourself and nothing else matters. And in that space, Paul is, is trying to talk to this church that's really struggling. Um, 
And in chapter 12, uh, he starts talking to them about their contribution, their connection to each other, to each other. And I I just want to pull up a few verses here, like in chapter 12, verse 4. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one is the same Spirit. Now to each one of the manifestation, now to each one, sorry, the manifestation or the way it shows up, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now interesting, Paul writes into this context and and in this space he starts to draw not on one or the other but starts to pull together two ideas uh, of both about like differentiation and connectedness. He talks about how there are different kinds of gifts. There are different kinds of working. There are different ways that the Spirit shows up, and it is the same God at work. It is the same Spirit at work. We are to work for the common good, and you are completely unique. The way that God is working through you, the way that he gifts you, is not a way that he gifts anybody else. You are different. You have an eye. You have a singularity about you. You do not need to lose yourself in the middle of society. You get to keep who you are and we all work together for the common good. And this tension that we hold together, both like differentiation, distinctiveness, individuality, and connectedness is something that all of us have to figure out at every level of our life. There are families that really only emphasize the connectedness thing and individuals tend to drown in those families. And there are families that really just kind of send people apart as individuals and they don't have like ties that bind. There's not like a deep center of love and connectedness to the family and so people flounder because we're made for each other. I mean, this happens at every level. I I wonder sometimes even um, if the the founders of our particular country were wrestling through some of this. We have a really unique system, right? We We have these individual states And we're supposed to have this like collective sense of an us in our country. And and that tension has created, well, tension (laughs) over the years, right? How How do we hold these two things together? Both like I am me and I am a part of something broader together. And Paul, He tries to walk and hold not one or the other. We're not going all in on individuality and we're not going all in on just kind of like we all mush together into one object. We're gonna hold both of those together at the same time, but that's a little tricky. And he starts um, pulling on the same metaphor that Rome uses. Kind of there's this list of, of spiritual gifts leading up to this and uh, and there, there's kind of a, there's wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing and prophecy and distinguishing between spirits and speaking in other languages and tongues and interpreting them and all of that. But like in verse 12, he says, just as a body, everyone in Corinth's ears perked up. They're like, oh no, are we gonna do that again? Are we gonna do the Roman thing? 
where my job is just to support the thing that's really important. I'm not important. I'm just here to support the thing that's actually important. Right? Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we all were baptized by one spirit, and so to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we've all been given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. You hear how he, he starts to kind of um, offer in, he'll go deeper and deeper, but like this, this idea of like respect for every bit of the body that you're a part of making the thing happen. And, and he's pulling on what, what uh, some people in, in the last you know, 100 years or 200 years have called emergence theory. Any, anybody uh, up on emergence theory? Just, okay, go Google it. You'll have a good time this evening. Let me give you a crash course. Welcome to my TED Talk. Okay, here we go. Is life is organized intrinsically in, in certain ways that are, that are pretty incredible. And each level um, of organization, um, when it connects with each other, it forms another level of organization that, that does things that could not be achieved by the organization below it. For example, we could start with atoms. We could go lower than that, we could talk about quarks. You don't need to do that, I don't need to do that today. We can start with atoms. Everybody remember atoms? Yes, good, okay, all right, all right. So atoms, individual atoms are interesting and unique and we can talk about them and whatnot. But if they connect with each other and maybe they start sharing electrons and all sorts of things start to happen, they combine together into what we call molecules. Now, for example, um, let's talk about like carbon atoms. Um, how they connect with one another changes everything. If, if carbon atoms connect in a certain way, they can become diamonds. Right? Incredibly unique properties, right? how it reflects, refracts light, how it's the, the strongest object that we've got in the natural world, all of that stuff. But if those same atoms connect in a different way, they form graphite, which is a lubricant, right? And you put in your pencil. And so no one carbon atom is either a diamond or graphite. It has to do with how they connect with each other, and something new emerges out of that that's pretty incredible. You know, and it's about how they connect with one another. Now, if we're talking about biological life and, and molecules, you know, we, I'm gonna have to skip a few steps here, but they can get to structures inside of a cell. We could call them, they're called organelles, right? And there's these pieces inside of a cell made up of molecules and proteins and built upon each other that have like this incredibly unique function. Like mitochondria in your body, they produce it, they're the powerhouse of the body, right? And they have their own DNA. Did you know that you have two sets of DNA? You've got your DNA DNA that you think about and you've got your mitochondria DNA, mitochondrial DNA, that comes exclusively from your mama, right? Dad apparently not involved in that whole bit. And, and you got these, these proteins that are working together that create power for your body. How does that work? I don't know, I'm just a pastor, but I think it's cool, right? And, and when you get these, these different structures and organelles that work together, they create an entire cell that is this body of life that can reproduce itself. Now, an individual organelle can't do that, 
But when they start working together, they do something that none of the other ones can do here when they get up to the level of a cell. They can digest food. They can process energy. They can reproduce. They can absorb and discharge waste. I mean, like this, what they do is absolutely incredible. But what we don't find is cells don't just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger till you have a 190-pound single-celled organism. That would be terrifying. What they end up doing is instead of just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, is they end up working together and differentiating so that they can become something more and they can become an entire organ. Like, think about this. Your brain, your brain produces your mind. The physical processes in your brain produce your mind. A cell cannot think. But cells working together at the level of an organ can imagine Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Right? That's what we mean by emergence. Something emerges out of their cooperation with each other that was completely impossible one layer down. Cells working together can imagine and figure out the calculus on how to put a satellite into orbit or to put one day a man on Mars. That I can't wrap my head around. And then obviously organs can work together, form entire organ systems. They link together and, and create something incredibly unique. And then that forms an entire body. And, and people, we are not like systems, organs, cells, the organelles inside of us, molecules, or atoms, but we're made up of all of those things. And, and Paul seems to say to the body of Christ, this is how we are. It's like, what if we take all of us? What is like the next layer up? Right, does it stop there? Are we done with this progression from atoms up to a human body? Or is there something else? What if, what if humans start to work together in a way that is both connected and differentiated? Because if you don't stay differentiated, then we lose our contribution to society. We lose our contribution to the community. If we stay differentiated and deeply connected to one another, there is this other thing that happens one layer up where things that are completely impossible at the level of an individual can happen. And Paul calls that the body of Christ. The body of Christ. That it's, it's like Jesus himself starts to live and move again in the flesh, in the world, to be a part of his mission again. Now that, that is pretty stinking incredible. He uses the same kind of uh, lingo um, in the book of Romans. Thank you for coming to my TED talk about emergence. <laughs> Moving on. <clears throat> talk about it at lunch. Um, and, and like in, in Romans 12, chapter 4, he says, For each of us has one body with many members. And these members do not all have the same function. So should a church include people that all look the same, sound the same, and are gifted the same way? No, 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 no. In fact, that would be really weird. Right, Paul talks about in one place, like if you have, if, if, if every part of the body is an eye, there would be no sense of smell, aside from the fact that it would be completely disturbing, right? It, it, the differentiation and individuality is important as we work together. For each of us just has one body with many members. These members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. 
and each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to all the others. This is language that we're not used to using in our society. Let's just, let's just talk about um, this for a second. On, uh, with these two kind of things, the connectedness thing, the your role is about supporting the society, or maybe in certain cultures it's the family unit. Your role is about supporting the family unit. Or this um, differentiation the good life is only found in you expressing what is valuable and pleasurable to you. Where is our society at right now? Connectedness or differentiation? Differentiation, like a lot. Have you guys picked up on that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, certain societies, they make the, they make the, the miss, I would say, of only emphasizing the collective connectedness thing. Um, for example, in, in certain Eastern cultures, the, the phrase is the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. That's one of the, in, in our culture, it's the squeaky wheel gets the, yeah. In their world, if the squeaky wheel gets, gets punched in the face, right? In our world, it's the squeaky wheel gets all the special attention, you know. And, and we've, we've really doubled down over here. But Paul, he seems, to, he seems to offer this space of each one of us, each one of us is good for the other. Each member belongs to all the others. That pushes on me. That means that, look, I belong to you. That feels weird coming out of my mouth. And you belong to one another. We belong to each other. Now, that challenges our, our push to individuality and our push to differentiation. I mean, some people, their, their vision for society is only if, if everybody could just do whatever they wanted, then everything would be fine, right? But we, we don't, the body of Christ doesn't operate like that. It's all of, all of us belong to one another. Now, in, in, um, in certain uh, maybe segments of Christianity, when we talk about the body of Christ or the church, um, there's a framework that comes to mind that I wanna, I wanna push back on a little bit and challenge. Um, because sometimes what people mean when they start saying that is they just mean like the structure of the church. They mean like, like here we are, we're in a building. Um, you're listening to someone who gets paid by a 501c3 nonprofit that has an org chart, that has a physical address and a website. And I just want to remind us, those things are not the body of Christ. Those things are not the church. The, the church is, is uh, us us loving and moving and serving one another. And I think structure has its place and can be helpful and important. So when things are working well together, anybody been gardening lately? You got some tomatoes that you've been trying to give to your friends because they all show up at the same time, right? And they're awesome, yeah? You know, plants sometimes need what we call a trellis, right? It's, it's a support structure 
for the plant itself. Now, it isn't the plant, but it helps the plant grow. Uh, a trellis is this, is the, the, like this um, hard surface that enables the plant to continue to grow more and more and more. Now, in some places and in some um, segments of Christianity, like I said, all the focus goes on the structure. It just goes on the structure. And what they mean when they say serve is they mean make the structure happen. When they say give, they mean make the structure happen. And all of that plant may not be happening much at all. There may not be much discipleship. There may not be a lot of people growing closer to Jesus. There may not be a lot of fruit. But all the focus is on the structure itself, you know? Now, the thing is, we can do plants without the structure for the most part. You know, you can, run, you can run a Bible study out of your home and start praying for people and spreading the gospel, and that's great. You should do that, by the way. And sometimes when it's done well, the structure enables the plant to grow and grow and grow and grow. Like, I, I just gotta say, over the last week, I have seen that in so many ways. We launched Alpha last Tuesday, and it was just absolutely amazing. Like the, the room was packed full of guests who were coming to explore faith and they're sitting at a table that is organized in a building, so that structure. They are using a curriculum that we've, that we've found and, and kind of adapted, that's structure. They got an email from somebody saying, hey, we got your registration, we're looking forward to seeing you, that's structure. Someone organized and put them at a table, that's structure. And they're face-to-face -face with somebody who's gonna tell them about Jesus, that's the plan. That's the plant. And they get to explore questions about faith together with the actual organic material. And there's people expressing their spiritual gifts all over the place. There's people cooking in the kitchen and they'll do that every week for 10 weeks to serve those folks. That is pretty amazing. Now that's, those are people that have said, I belong to the body of Christ, so how can I serve? And they got together and, and they're gonna pray for folks. There's a whole group of people that are just praying for the folks that are attending Alpha. That's the plant at work, but it took some structure to get there. Uh, Rooted launched last Thursday. And we got so many, I have a Rooted group meeting in my house on Wednesdays, and I, we've only met twice. I already adore these people. They're gonna find out real quick how not awesome I am but I so like adore these people that are meeting in my house on Wednesday night and we, like I said, we've just met twice. And, and that took, that like all the people going through Rooted or Emotionally Healthy Discipleship or the, the um, men's ministry that's meeting right now, Better Man, is completely volunteer led. How cool is that? There were some people that said, I know that I belong to this body of Christ. And I want to see men grow into the men that God is dreaming about them being. And so there's like 50 guys up there, just up the hallway, meeting for discipleship around what it means to be a man of God so that they can be better, their families can be better, their friends and their workplaces can be better. That is the structure and the plant working together well at the same time. And when that happens, it is pretty stinking amazing. And so I just wanna remind you that when we talk about serving, we're not talking about just building onto the structure for the structure's sake. That's lame. We don't just serve like the 501c3 nonprofit because we should. Ick. We want to see fruit. We want to see things thrive. We want to see people grow. And I love being a part of that. And as Paul continues, 
um, in, in chapter 12. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace that God has given to each of us. If it's your gift, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And then he makes a move that he also makes in 1 Corinthians when talking about spiritual gifts. In chapter 12, when he goes to 13, he makes the same move here. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. See, he talks about like a couple of things here. One is you are gifted. The Spirit of God has given you gifts to give to the community. To give to the community. Any, any husbands out here, I'm just gonna pick on us for a little bit, that you have a wonderful spouse that remembers what, that someone's birthday party is coming up and that they need to get them that thing? Do you know what I'm talking about? And my wonderful wife will hand me a wrapped present and say, you need to give this to so-and-so. And I say, thank you, what's in it? And she tells me, and I get to, this is how the Spirit of God works, right? He's like, I am giving you something to give to the church. And I'm putting it in you in a way that I am not putting in anybody else. So it's not just that you are gifted, it's that you are a gift. You are a gift to the body of Christ to show up and to help us be devoted to one another in love, which is not our strong suit, which is not our strong suit. We are not good at serving and being served. You, you know, in, in the past, um, families, for example, we used to talk about the family unit. They used to be um, units of contribution to society. You know, maybe if you live on a family farm, it's still that way. You know, like my, my wife grew up, grew up baling hay, you know, and then they would sell what they grew at the farmer's market, right? Their family was a unit of contribution to society. Now families are mostly units of consumption from society. Like, what do I do with my family? We watch movies. We go out to eat. Um, we play games. Um, we go visit some cool place. All of that's wonderful, but that is all consuming. That's, that's consumption. What do I do with my family? Most of the time we consume together. For the rest of human history, what have families done together? They contribute together. They do something together that benefits the good of their society. And I wonder if we're at a bit of a disadvantage here to remember that as a church, we are not here to consume together. We're here to contribute together. And God has called us to contribute to one another. And I see so many people doing it that it just, like those little prayer cards in your seat backs. If you pull up one of those prayer cards and you fill that out and you say, I need prayer for this going on in my life. And you drop it in the offering box on the way out. There is a team of people that will pray for you by name, will carry you in front of the Father on a regular basis because they love you and they believe in the power of prayer. That's the body caring for the body. Right now, what are your gifts? I don't know. I don't know. One way to find out, 
is, you know, if you scan that little QR code on the handout you got and go to the guide, or if you go to the connect area afterwards, that'll take you to a connections process where someone can meet with you and talk about your spiritual gifts, and which sometimes take trying stuff to find out. You know, it takes like experimenting a little bit and figuring out like what, what are the things that God has given you that he hasn't given anybody else in the same way. And we wanna help you find a place here to do that because it's important. Now, if you find something that's not a part of the structure, that's a part of your gifting, go for it. If you're visiting your mom in an assisted living facility and you notice that her roommate doesn't, doesn't get visitors and God has given you this gift of mercy that just won't let that go and you start to visit her too when you're there, that is the spirit of God working through you. That is the plant at work. Skip the structure, go straight to the plant. You have my permission, go for it. But there, there are so many ways that we can work together and grow together towards what God has called us to be. And I would encourage you to do that. Uh, in, back to 1 Corinthians 12, just to wrap up. As Paul is, is talking about all of this in, in verse 25, he says, so there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. This is not like Rome. Every part matters. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Notice he doesn't say later you are the body of Christ. Like when you get your act together, He's writing to the Corinthians, they're a royal mess. When you guys figure out how to stop being such a mess, then you will be the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ right now. And we get to serve one another in love. Be devoted to one another in love. So a couple of questions. What about your life shows others that reality right now? that you are not just an individual who consumes, but that you are devoted to one another in love, that you are gifted, that you are a gift, that you are connected to the body and that you're serving. What about your life shows that to others right now? Second, are there things that you need to add or subtract or change? Is there a place to start? Like I said, heading to the connect area or Going to the guide is a good place to do that here. What do you need to add or subtract or change? And just to have the pastor moment, if everything else in your life gets to tell you what to do with your time, except Jesus, something's got to flip. Right? And then lastly, what would Jesus be inviting you into? What would he be inviting you into? Because when the body works together, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us um, to follow your call on our life. I want to I wanna water the plant. I want to build the structure that it grows on. I want to do all of that for the sake of your mission in the world because you have saved us and loved us 
and gifted us, that each one here is a gift. Help us to follow you and say yes to you, to change the things that we need to change and to pursue you as we live out your mission in the world. And it's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Hey, we're so glad you tuned in today. If you like this video, don't forget to give it a thumbs up and share it with anyone you think could benefit. We're excited about all the content we have coming up and can't wait for you to see it. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss out. And if you're curious about LaCroix or if you're looking to take the next step on your journey with Jesus, check out LaCroixChurch.org. We hope to see you again soon.